seriously popular. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. While she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Letby denies all of the charges over the incidents. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse. This is a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It involves the most shocking of allegations, the alleged murders and attempted murders of tiny, premature babies at the hands of a neonatal nurse whose very job it was to look after them. Lucy Letby is on trial at Manchester Crown Court, accused of killing seven infants and injuring ten more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. In total, there are 22 charges, all of which she denies. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail, I will be in court to report on the case as it develops. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week on this podcast, we'll examine what's happened and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. The case against Lucy Letby is that she murdered or tried to kill 17 babies while she was working as a neonatal nurse at the Countess of Chester Hospital in the northwest of England. She denies the charges. The babies in this trial are not being named for legal reasons, and the identities of their families are also being protected. They're known only as babies A to Q. Seven of the babies died. Ten survived. Each one of these babies was or is someone's son or daughter and the mums, dads and families of every baby are present in court, listening to every detail of how their child was allegedly killed or harmed. We'll be bringing you that detail as the jury is hearing it from the prosecution and defence. We're getting behind the headlines to explain far more than the news reports you'll be reading, watching and listening to. And the importance of a fair trial is paramount, so we won't be getting into anything in this podcast that the jury have not been told, because they are the 12 people who have to decide the outcome of this case. So, seven months after the start of this trial, the prosecution have finished their case. The jury have now heard all the Crown's evidence about the 17 babies, and they're about to hear from the defence. So this episode is the final one to focus on why the prosecution say Lucy Letby is responsible 
for harming and killing babies in the neonatal unit. Last week, the court heard about what she said in her police interviews when she was questioned about alleged victims, babies A to I. This week, we'll hear more from those interviews in connection with the remaining eight babies she's accused of murdering or harming, babies J to Q. We'll find out what Lucy Letby said about evidence found on her mobile phone and at her home, and what she said about a note with the word evil written on it. And how she told detectives she was so depressed at being moved off the ward that she contemplated suicide. We'll also be sharing on our Twitter feed a graph seen by the jury which shows Lucy Letby was on duty every single time a baby in this case collapsed or died. Welcome to episode 30. The prosecution closes. So, Liz, October feels like a very long time ago. That was when the prosecution opened their case at the start of this trial. This week, Nick Johnson Casey presented his final pieces of evidence to the jury. Yeah, so the main focus in the final days of the prosecution case has been more police interviews. And just to recap, Caroline, when the police started investigating the unexpected collapses and deaths of babies, Lucy Letby was arrested three times. First in July 2018, more than two years after the final baby, Baby Q, was allegedly attacked. She was then arrested twice more, the first time almost a year later in June 2019, and finally again in November 2020. And when she was arrested on those three occasions, she was questioned extensively about the allegations relating to all 17 babies in the case. In all, the jury were told, she was interviewed 30 times. And as we explained last week, these interviews were effectively role-played in court. Prosecutor Philip Asprey plays the part of the detective, and Detective Sergeant Daniel Stonier is playing the part of Lucy Letby. So today, we're going to jump around a bit, because we're going to focus on some key areas the interviews touched on. Now, these include the sympathy card the post-it note and the shredder. So we're hoping you can keep up. So we'll start today by taking you back to episode 14 when we explained the death of baby I. Now she was the ninth baby to be allegedly attacked by Lucy Letby. She was a premature baby girl who Lucy Letby is accused of attacking three times before allegedly murdering on the fourth attempt in October 2015. After the death of baby I, Lucy Letby sent her parents a sympathy card something she'd never done before. And before she sent it, she took a photograph of it. You might remember that a photograph of the inside of this card was found on her mobile phone when it was seized by the police. Now, it's worth reminding you what she'd written in the card. We'll also share a picture of it on our Twitter page. The message has been voiced by an actor. There are no words to make this time any easier. It was a real privilege to care for baby I and get to know you as a family. A family who always put baby I first and did everything possible for her. She will always be a part of your lives and we will never forget her. Thinking of you today and always, sorry I cannot be there to say goodbye. Lots of love, Lucy. So in this police interview, the detective questioned her about this card. She said she kept a photograph of it on her phone because she wanted to remember the kind words that she'd written to Baby I's parents. And she also insisted she routinely took pictures of cards, such as birthday cards, that she sent to people. Can you explain, Lucy, what that is? 
Yeah, I sent a sympathy card to the parents because I wasn't able to attend the funeral. Okay, is this normal practice, Lucy? No, well it's not very often that we would get to know a family as well as we did with baby I. Okay, is there a reason why you didn't go to the funeral? I was working. I wasn't able to change my shift. It was suggested that I could send a card via one of the other nurses who was going. Have you sent cards to other parents before, Lucy? No. That's the only one you've ever sent? Yes. Why did you take photographs of it on your phone? To remember what I had sent to them. Why did you do that? I often take pictures of any cards that I have sent, even birthday cards, anything like that. I often take pictures of them. Did you forward these photographs on to anyone? Not that I remember, no. Why did you want to remember what you wrote to them, Lucy? It was upsetting losing baby I, and I think it was nice to remember the kind words that I'd hoped I'd shared with that family. And, as I say, I usually photograph any birthday cards that I send, anything like that. That's what I usually would do. So we're going to remind you now of a comment Lucy Letby allegedly made which appeared to predict that a baby was not going to survive. It related to baby P, who was the second of two triplets to die. Their deaths were described by doctors working at the hospital as the tipping point. The boys died within 23 hours of each other in June 2016, and soon after that, she was removed from the ward completely. In the police interview, Lucy Letby was asked about their deaths, and she became tearful and started crying. She told police, it was just devastating for us all. But she was also questioned about that comment, and about her behaviour after his death. You might remember one of the doctors on duty that day told jurors Lucy Letby made what was called an absolutely shocking comment about baby P while they were waiting for the transport team to arrive to take him to another hospital. The female doctor, who can't be named for legal reasons but who we've been referring to as Dr B, claimed Lucy Letby said, he's not leaving here alive, is he? And police asked her about this. Do you recall saying this comment? No, I don't. I don't know why I would have a conversation about a baby not leaving the unit unless they were very sick at the time. Why did you think that baby P would not leave the NNU alive? Well, I don't recall saying that, unless it was at the point where he was physically ill. Do you remember any occasion when you thought that, that he wouldn't be leaving alive? Once he started to deteriorate, yes. Now one of the doctors on the ward told the jury that after baby P had died, he was concerned about Lucy Letby's demeanour. Dr Stephen Breary was the doctor in charge of the unit and he was also the one who tried unsuccessfully to have her removed from work following the deaths of the brothers. He claimed Lucy Letby didn't appear to be upset or distressed at all in the debrief after baby P died. He also claimed she rejected his suggestion to take the weekend off to recover from the traumatic events. But Lucy Letby told the police she didn't recall having a conversation with Dr Breary and that she thought she was due to go on annual leave soon after they died anyway. And it's worth pointing out here that police also asked Lucy Letby whether she thought there was anything they ought to look at as part of their investigation. She told them staffing levels at the unit were poor at times because several nurses were on long-term sick. The unit also had a lot of new starters who were inexperienced, she said. She told the police that nurses like herself were doing a lot of extra shifts, often at short notice, and people were feeling a physical and emotional strain. 
She also said the unit was cramped and staff didn't always have the equipment they needed. Although she admitted a lack of equipment would not be responsible for any of the baby's collapses. Here's the detective asking questions again. So do you think any of these deaths and collapses occurred due to poor care? I don't think anybody intentionally gave poor care, but I think maybe if staffing had been better, people may not have been caring for as many babies at once, or would have had different shift patterns, maybe, or the doctors would have been more readily available. And what about equipment? Do you think any of these babies had collapsed or died because of lack of equipment? I think there's been delays with them having some of the support they need, because we've had to go and get equipment, yes. Would any of the lack of equipment or staff cause the collapse of a baby? The initial collapse? No, I don't think it would cause the collapse, no. The babies we've been speaking about over the last few days, we are saying aren't just unexpected, but suspicious. Right. Do you understand that? Yes. In general terms, the investigation is looking to the number of deaths between 2015 and 2016, and other babies who have collapsed and survived. So our direct question is, between those dates and that amount of babies, have you done anything to intentionally harm those babies? No. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise. The island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So another area the police interviews focused on were the exhibits. These were the raft of medical documents and handwritten notes discovered at Lucy Letby's home when she was arrested. So there wasn't just one or two handover sheets. The jury was told that more than 250 were recovered from her home and from her parents' home. And the police wanted to know why she'd taken them home, because these documents are confidential and shouldn't be removed from the ward. She told detectives she must have taken them home by mistake in the pocket of her scrubs. And she said she hadn't disposed of them because she hadn't got a shredder. But the jury had previously been shown a photograph of a box bedroom at her house. Now this is the one that appeared to have been decorated like a nursery and in that room there is a paper shredder in the corner. Another of the exhibits which the prosecution say is significant is a green post-it note which was found inside Lucy Letby's diary. It's the note which included the phrases I am evil, I did this, overwhelming fear, panic, I will never have children or marry or know what it's like to have a family. And just to remind you again, this is the note which Lucy Letby's barrister, Ben Myers Casey, insisted was not a confession. He said it had been written when Lucy Letby was in a state of anguish and despair, after she realised she was being accused of killing newborn babies that she'd done her best to look after. 
but the police wanted to know more about why she'd written this note. She told police she'd written it around July 2016, after being moved from the unit into a desk job at the hospital. At the time, she said she was depressed because she'd lost everything. She said she'd been banned from talking to her colleagues and felt isolated and suicidal. I just wrote it because everything had got on top of me. It was when I'd not long found out I'd been removed from the unit and they were telling me my practice might be wrong, that I needed to read all my competencies. My, my practice might not have been good enough, so I felt like people were blaming my practice, that I might have hurt them without knowing through my practice, and that made me feel guilty, and I just felt really isolated. Do you want to elaborate on some of the things you've put down in there? I was blaming myself, but not because I'd done something, because of the way people were making me feel. I'd only ever done my best for those babies, and then people were trying trying to say that my practice wasn't good, and that I'd done something, and I just couldn't cope, and I just did not want to be here anymore. Not good enough. You've written and underlined it. Because I felt like I was good enough, that people were trying to suggest that I hadn't been good enough for them. What people were they? The trust and the staff on the unit. And what sort of things were they saying? Just that I'd been there for a lot of the deaths and they were going to review all my competencies because at that point they didn't know, hadn't a clue what happened and they wanted me to redo all my competencies in case there was something wrong with my practice and competencies. You go on to say, there are no words. I can't breathe. I can't focus. Do you want to go through what was going through your mind at that time? I just felt it was, it was all just spiralling out of control. I just didn't know how to feel about it, or what was going to happen, or what to do. Then you go on to say, kill myself right now. Overwhelming fear and panic. Do you want to describe how you're feeling there? It just felt that it was all, it was all happening out of my control. At which point did it all become, to the extent where you were saying things like, kill myself now, overwhelming? It was when I was removed from the unit in the July 2016. Right, and why at that stage did it culminate in those feelings? Because I suddenly felt that things had been directed towards me. Why was that? Because they were saying they were going to have to review my competencies. So I took it to mean my practice hadn't been good enough. Did you ever make any mistakes? No. So in terms of overwhelming fear and panic, what were you afraid of? That they were going to think that I had done something wrong, and this would happen that the police would get involved and I'd lose my job. And was it a job that you enjoyed? Yeah, yeah, I loved my job. So where you say, kill myself right now, is that something you were considering? Yes. And why was that? Because I just felt so isolated and alone. Now we heard there in that interview that in July 2016, Lucy Letby was removed from the ward. But the police had not then been called in and she was not told by hospital managers that she was under suspicion for anything criminal. Instead, at that point she was told she was being moved temporarily to a clerical role, while an external review into the spike in collapses and deaths of babies on the unit was carried out. So the police wanted to know why she appeared to think at that stage they would be called in. So how does, in your area, how does competencies, or when people call into question your competencies, how does that lead to a police investigation? I don't know, I just panicked. I just thought if they found out that my competencies weren't good enough, it'd be assumed that I hadn't done, like missed something or not done something I should have, that the babies had died and become unwell. 
How does that become a criminal matter, though? I'm not sure. I thought they might refer me to the Nursing and Midwifery Council, and I didn't know if that went to the police. What's the difference between being incompetent or criminal in your world? Criminal is something that's done deliberately, whereas you not being competent would be that you're not competent in something that could give you a result that wasn't intentional. In your own mind, had you done anything wrong at all? No, not intentionally, but I was worried that they would find that my practice hadn't been good. Are there any particular practices that you think might not have been as good as they should have been? No. What made you think they might find something that was wrong, or that you shouldn't have done? It was more that I was worried they'd already gone to the lengths of redeploying me, and move me from the unit and banning contact. I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't think they'd find that I'd been incompetent. But I was worried that they might try and assume that I had been, just because I was there for all of these babies. She was also asked about more phrases written on the note, including I killed them on purpose because I'm not good enough. I'm a horrible, evil person. She denied deliberately harming the babies, but insisted at that time, in July 2016, she was doubting her professional ability as a nurse. This is what she told the officer. I didn't kill them on purpose. I felt if my practice hadn't been right, then I'd killed them, and that was why I wasn't good enough. In what way do you think your practice might have been the reason why these babies have died? I didn't know. I thought maybe I'd missed something. Maybe I hadn't acted quickly enough. Give us an example. I hadn't played my role in the team. I've been in a lot of night shifts. When doctors aren't around, we have to call them. There are less people, and it just worried me that I hadn't called them quick enough. And you felt evil? Other people would perceive me as being evil, yes, if I had missed something. I am a horrible evil person. That's your take on you? It's how the situation made me feel. You've put down there, Lucy. Killed them on purpose. I didn't kill them on purpose. Do you believe that there's a potential that you caused their deaths? Not intentionally. You say in capital letters, I'm evil, I did this. That's how it had all made me feel at the time. That you'd done something wrong? Yeah, not intentionally, but I felt if I'd done something, if my practice wasn't good enough, or people didn't think I'd done something in the right way, then it made me an evil person, because I couldn't do the job properly. I'm an awful person. I pay every day for that right now. Because I felt like I was having to pay for something that I didn't do. Being away from my job and my friends and having to go to a new area where I didn't know anyone. I did this. Why me? Did what? Well, did something that had led to these babies collapsing and dying. Did you ever consider it might have been nothing to do with you or your competency? Not that moment in time. I just... Okay. well what about now? No, I don't feel it is my competencies. So what changed between these kind of thoughts and now that you're confident? Time, and I've redone my competencies, and I had that grievance procedure, and nothing was raised through that, or any of the other investigations, to suggest that I hadn't been competent in something. No hope, despair, panic, fear, loss. Is that how you felt? You had no hope? It just made me feel like no hope for anything, yeah. If you knew that you'd done nothing wrong? Well, at that point, I was made to feel that maybe I had, so I was worried that maybe I had in terms of my practices and competencies. Who made you feel that? The trust. Again, on the same note, she'd written, I don't deserve mum and dad. 
She told police her parents were proud of her nursing career and she felt guilty. It was all just becoming a big mess. She said she was the first person in her family to go to university and to move away from Hereford where she grew up. And it was a big thing. Her parents were really, really upset that she'd been moved from the ward, she told detectives. She told the officers she felt overwhelmed and fearful for her future. And as the next interview was read to the jury, Lucy Letby broke down in tears. I just didn't know what was going to happen. It just all overwhelmed me at the time. It was hard to see how anything was ever going to be okay again. I was very career focused and I worried that all of this would stop anything like that, that I'd lose my job or that it would be on my record. Other people would change their opinion of me. I will never have children or marry. I will never know what it's like to have a family. What did you mean by that, Lucy? Just that I'd never meet anybody and therefore I'd never have a family. Why did you think that? Because nobody would want to. If you say to somebody you had to be redeployed, then people make assumptions, don't they? And if my practice had caused these problems, then I wouldn't deserve to have children myself. Purely because you'd been redeployed off one unit? Yeah, because at the time, it was huge. So that's it for episode 30. Next week, we'll be back to bring you the start of Lucy Letby's defence. Her KC Ben Myers is due to begin explaining to the jury exactly why Lucy Letby is not responsible for murdering and harming the babies who were in her care. So, Liz, the question we keep being asked is, will Lucy Letby take the stand for her defence? So there's no obligation for her to give evidence in her defence, and we won't know until Mr Myers stands up before the jury tomorrow. Well, whatever happens, you'll be in court for us, Liz, and we'll cover everything in next week's episode. Yes, I'll be in court, and you can read my reports on the case in the Mail and on Mail Plus. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lucy Letby Trial or send us an email at thetrialoflucyletby at gmail.com. See you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Our hit series, Everything I Know About Me, is back for a brand new season. And this time, our guest needs no introduction. Of course you find me, Darren! But here's one anyway. Hi, I'm Gemma Collins, and this is everything I know about me. If you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again. Because this is the GC as you've never heard her before. It's been exhausting. And ashamed. And I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant. And he was having an affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby. I don't have camel toe. Unbelievable. And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And, uh, yeah, I remember that being really stressful. 
Everything I Know About Me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.